The views and opinions expressed on the Untold History Revealed podcast are solely those of the individual stating them and are not necessarily those of the Untold History Revealed owners. Now sit back and grab a cup of coffee or tea as we discuss some moments in history that may have been untold or forgotten. Another episode of Untold History Revealed starts now. Well, hi, gang, and welcome to another episode of Untold History Revealed. I am your host, Sean Donnelly. And I'm your co-host, Marianne Donnelly. Um, we're going to try something a little different here tonight. We Why are. Why are you looking at me like we're that? We're going to do something different? Well, you know, I was thinking when I was kicking around the idea for a topic since it was my turn to pick one. <laughs> um, you know, we've done some forensic ones. We've done murder cases. We've done historical ones. And in our um, logo, so to speak, for the podcast, it also has the word paranormal. We really haven't done anything related to paranormal yeah. or ghost stories or anything that's like true. that. I think we were trying to stay away from that because that's what all of our other things are. Yeah. And we didn't want to push that onto here. But it is part of the, the right, concept. Right, it is part so. of it. So, um, well, let me tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do and why we're doing this. We're the owners of Dark Shadow Ghost Tours and PanicD.com. And um, over the years, we've done a lot of research, investigations, traveling all over the country. And um, we've collected a lot of information about different locations and, and things like that. And uh, also when we did research for our social media and things for uh, like Dark Shadows and stuff, we've collected a lot of stuff, not just data but little pieces of memorabilia and stuff like that so um we decided that we would put together this podcast and be more historical mm-hmm. however when i originally formed this over 15 weeks ago i had the word paranormal in there too just in case we want to throw in a you know paranormal ghost stories or something and so like now that. you're so, feeling bad because you haven't done yeah, it. we haven't done one yet <laughs> You know, okay. so, all right. all right, so here's what I decided to do. I thought we would go back and we did this story. I don't know. It's been a while now for Beyond Edge Radio when we do the Haunted Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing with that, I mean, I love doing the show and everything, but the only thing is we got, what, 15, 20 minutes roughly? About 15, yeah. So we don't really get time to discuss the locations that much. Right, we just give them all the information and, and it's like done. real quick, done, thank you, you know, sure. that kind of thing. Which is cool, but um, we have an hour tonight to talk about this topic, and this is one that interests me. Mm-hmm. Um, and those of you who have probably heard of this place... Hopefully you have. If you haven't if you heard haven't, of this place. Got to go I, back to school, I yes. guess. I don't know. Well, I don't know about school. Just back, back, back out of the womb. <laughs> True. And I just thought it was a story, but maybe I'll, if I'll remember it later. But um, we're talking about the White House tonight. Yes. But not just the home of our president. We're going to talk about White House ghost stories, which is quite interesting. There are a lot of them mm-hmm. out there. And they're reported by many different people. Including presidents. Presidents. Um, first ladies. First ladies. Other people in 
I guess, politics or whatever that stayed there. Um, I don't know. We have the story of Winston Churchill. Yes. Um, so these are these are credible people, <laughs> you know. Not saying that paranormal people are, you know, but people think we are, you know. These are people who who have come forward and said yes. Yeah, a, a lot there's, of there's ghosts. In a lot of individuals who are respected in the populations. Now, I can't say that every president is always looked at as being the most respected even though they should be well, technically okay but you want to um, go there let's go there and i'll give you my opinion okay okay everybody in america has their opinion on the president that's our right as americans freedom of speech mm-hmm. what have you okay however and those running for office that's the ones <laughs> okay. i was kind of getting at mostly All right. but well those running for office but you have to give them credit for getting to that position. Whether they're running for office, and especially if they're elected for president. They have an, an education. Most of them have money. You know, so they're... I don't want to say they're a cut above the rest because, you know, some of them are a little crooked and they got their different ways but what i'm saying is 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 uh these are people who are well credible am i making sense maybe not you're smiling at me all right disagree with me go ahead <laughs> no i'm not going to disagree with you they're they, I mean, they like have I'm saying, gotten it's not joe the watchman that said he saw a ghost yes okay. it's a president of the united states yes said i saw yes Abraham Lincoln pacing. You know, it's a little bit different. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm getting at. All right. All right? All okay. Right. <laughs> Enough of that tangent. It's been a long day, folks. Um, all right. So, anyways, you want to cover... Now, when we do the Haunted Spotlight mm-hmm. um, and Panic D, the way it's laid out, we have the history of the location. And if you don't know... We also give the address, which happens to be 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. No way. <laughs> okay. In Washington, D.C. Um, it's open to the public. It's free to the public. Yes. To tour. Okay. but It is. God bless you if you can get in there in under an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, and then we cover a little bit about the history of the building. Um. And then anything that may have come up that's... Any stories. Stories of paranormal or anything else. And the claims Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why don't you go over a little bit of the history of the building because that's your forte, so to speak. Okay, well, I will go over uh, some of the basics. I mean, obviously, it was built for the purpose of being the home of the president. And it was designed by an Irish architect named James Hoban uh, back in the 1790s. Now, it did have some repairs that have been done throughout the years, and it was first rebuilt back in 1814. There was a big British attack, and after that attack, they did have to have um, some rebuilding. Uh, the President's House, as it was originally called, Well, had actually, that is the actual 
formal name of the White House. Yes, it's the president's yes. house. Yes, we just yeah. all call it the White House because of is that color. in here why it's called the White House? Um, it's because of the color. Yeah. It's because of it the was color. Whitewashed. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Okay. Um, but it is the it was the president's house, and it did need to have some. Uh, some repair work done. And of course, through the years, we know that there have been changes just due to the uh, new technological changes that have come along, as well as the personal touches of the different presidents. I mean, things like electricity were put in there. Uh, We had um, the Rose Garden put in there. We had um, a swimming pool at one point was put in there. So these were things that the the residents... Yeah, the residents kind of implemented. I think there's a, there's a congressional um, budget line for the new incoming president of money that is public. Well, you know, it can be spent to renovate mm-hmm. the White House, and some of them have chose to add on, like you said, the West Wing. I didn't mention the West Wing, but... Yeah, but that originally wasn't there. Correct. The the Eastern Gardens, the West Wing, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So they've used that money to to either repair the building and keep it up or to add on to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then they also get money for the residential section where they can fix it up for themselves, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, it also uh, had some other updates as well. In the early 1900s, there were some changes, some structural changes that uh, underwent uh, under Teddy Roosevelt. And then, of course, we also had um, Harry Truman. When he was president after World War II, we had some major renovations to the building as well. Actually, they they started calling it the White House under Teddy Roosevelt. Really? It was under, yes. that far along? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the cornerstone of the building was actually laid on October 13th of 1792, and it took eight years to construct the building. And during that time, um, it was both slaves and freed African Americans and, of course, some European immigrants who were building uh, this structure, which is actually made of Aquica Creek sandstone. So George Washington did oversee the laying the cornerstone, but he didn't live long enough, unfortunately, to actually have been able to see the completion. Yeah, so although he was our first president, mm-hmm. he never lived in the White House. Correct. Because he didn't yes. um, see the completion. Yeah. Right. Now, this building, uh, as you had mentioned, was whitewashed. It was whitewashed with a lime-based whitewash in 1798. Lime-based mm-hmm. That whitewash. it is. That, you know, for those of you into paranormal, lime, limestone, you know, it's one of the theories is, is that could be a, a great conductor that holds energy for residual hauntings, as we'll get to later. But go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Oh, it is a podcast, so I get to interrupt you on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, the original building was just a two-story house, and it cost $232,372. And it was not quite yet complete when our president, John Adams, and his wife, Abigail, uh, became the first residents back in November of 1800. Abby Adams. That's a fun name. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, goodness. Anyways, um, Thomas Jefferson added so his own personal touches. You know, like when you... Like the in. very first time? Because I think, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that the presidents now, they kind of invite their friends over. Well, you know, but John and Abby. John and Abby. Say, hey, we're moving in. Why don't you come on over for a barbecue? You think? You never know. I mean, back at that point, it was quite quite common for just common everyday persons to well, walk up to the house, go to the, the house, people. go into the house, see the what house they wanted. for our president who was owned by the people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know if you have in here, but, you know, one of the things about Lincoln, I think we talked about it in the... Uh, the uh, one of the Lincoln podcasts. Yeah, the, the one about the um, Gettysburg Address, mm-hmm. where he said, all these people come to see me, now I have something to give back to you. Yeah, they all I want something from me. I don't know if you mentioned that, me. but... They but all want something from To me. expand on that a little bit, and on the same thing that we're talking about, mm-hmm. is that... During Abraham Lincoln's time and previous, mm-hmm. people could actually go to the White House, knock on the front wait door, wait in line to meet their president and, mm-hmm. and speak their mind. Mm-hmm. Not con- just congressmen and senators and all that, but actual people. Yeah. And that comment that he made was is he had all these people that were coming in with smallpox and colds and everything like that and coughing on them and hacking, you know. Yeah. But so, they, but, but when they came, they all wanted something from him is yes. what his idea was. You know, they want, you know, money or they want their son to do or this or whatever. Or they want to complain. Yeah. Yet they all wanted something. But this time he well, actually he, had something to yeah, give since them. He, since he was contagious with smallpox, he had something to give back. That's, yes. that's an awesome line. I yeah. love that. But anyways, okay. <laughs> But I digress. That's let's all right. let's move on. All right. So uh, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson uh, moved into the White House not long after the Adams had, uh, and when he came in, he decided that he wanted some indoor plumbing. So he, you would think the President of the United States that would have been one of the one designs. Of, yeah. You know. Yeah. So they he he got two Could you water closets. Imagine if Secret added. Service was back then, and they had to you know walk out with them to the outhouse. Staying outside. <laughs> yeah, but that, at that point, they didn't have Secret Service How are you agents, doing, Tom? So. Need any, any more Sears catalogs in there? You good to go? Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. But again, like I said, they, they didn't have Secret Service. I know, I know, I know. But I'm I know, I know. I'm just saying. Can you imagine? That's kind of funny. Uh, all right. So in any case, uh, Thomas Jefferson also worked with architect Benjamin Latrobe to add bookending terrace pavilions to the building as well. And uh, basically, he thought that this allowed it to be a more suitable representation for a leader's home. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson was really into... I don't want to say he wasn't for the people, but he was more into, um, oh, what do you want to say, more elegance and, and stuff. He had the French influence, mm-hmm. like more, um, well, elegance, you know, more classy type thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he believed that it needed to be fixed up a little bit and make it more grand, grandeur. Is that the word that mm-hmm. you used before? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, the very first inaugural open house was in 1805, again, by Thomas Jefferson. Uh, And then he's also the one who decided that we would open the building for public tours and then receptions as well. And so on New Year's Day and the 4th of July, they had special receptions. Unfortunately, 
the British came along and we had some skirmishes with the British. And in 1814, uh, the building was actually burnt pretty much to the ground. And so it was left in just a smoldering pile of wood and there wasn't very much left. Yeah, it was a mess. And so a lot of the a lot of the individuals in 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 the I don't know in the bigwigs of the country at the point they had decided maybe we should move the capital to another city maybe we shouldn't have it here in Washington D.C. but um, that did not uh, happen um, they they ended up obviously keeping it there so um, just as a quick side note when. Uh, the building was being burnt down. Uh, Dolly Madison actually rescued a painting of George Washington from the White House during the fire. She's like, we have to take this with us. And um, that was actually moved. And it is, um, uh, it was a Gilbert Stuart painting. So it was uh, brought back. Um, the building was brought back to pretty much the standards of what they they had before. Um, in some areas, they tried as much as they could to incorporate the original walls, which obviously were quite charred, but they did try to save as much of it as they possibly could. And it was a few years later in 1817 when James Madison and Dolly, his wife, actually gave it a little bit more regal decorating decorating um as they kind of were able to move back in and yeah, set it up French and yes well. yes so moving along uh the north and south porticos were actually not part of the structure for many decades it was actually three decades or more before they end up having the porticos attached in 1835 they actually got central heating and, nice. a, and running water throughout the rest of the building. Remember, they had a couple water closets that they added. But now, in 1835, they decided to go ahead and add in a little bit more. Again, a nice thing for our president of the United States to have <laughs> is running water. And heat. Those are heat. nice things. Good decision. <laughs> and then a couple years later, in 1848, they actually added gla- uh, the gas lights. So then they were able to have light in the house as well. So uh, the greenhouses uh, were added uh, for growing flowers and vegetables on either side of the mansion. And then um, they added a little bit more Victorian ornamentation in the 1870s and through the 1890s. Boy, I would love to see pictures. I know photography would have been impossible back then. (laughs) But can you imagine just seeing how it was like like when they very first had it yeah yeah we there's a few drawings that exist but but it's just not yeah it's just not the same yeah yeah now the very first flower garden was actually uh created it was established by john quincy adams and the um fillmore's added a library um in the second floor oval room and the Arthurs um, hired the famed decorator Louis Tiffany to redecorate the East Blue 
red and state dining rooms. So Tiffany was involved there as well as in many other so influential buildings. So this is starting buildings. to get into the time period that I Yes, this is when, right now, yeah. You know, just right after the Victorian age, mm-hmm. but this well, getting time period into that. Thomas Edison and, 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 yes. and all those guys, and uh, yeah, this is... Yeah, this is when you this start to have yeah. you start to have the ability to have all those photographs taken and you start to be able to have lights and things like that. Um, electric lights were actually installed in 1891 and sh- surprisingly, you know, we had all this time that we didn't even have, you know, heating and all those things. Just a few years later in 1898 they actually put in the first electric elevator into the building. So we're like flying now into adding technology to the building. Um, We went in 1902 back to a more federal style. They get rid of a lot of the Victorian ornamentation and things like that with Theodore Roosevelt. He decided to go back to um, the federal style as it should as it had started originally. Um, And then, of course, while he was there as well, they added a new roof because it needed a new roof. And we know how that goes. Right. And then, of course, there was another floor added in 1927. So the third floor, uh, actually, to the building is added well, we in 1927. Well, not we'll you and me specifically, oh. but it, people. We I'm know that thinking, roofs. We know that roofs need repairs and replaced. Uh, they say oh, yeah, every when 20 they put years. On a new or, roof. When, what was that date? Um, it was in the 1920s, 1927-ish. Really? Mm-hmm. So that roof lasted from. From, yeah, 1848, I think, or so, oh, 1814. 1814 is when they rebuilt, so we figure mm, 1817 they moved back in. So 1817, almost 100 years? Yeah, I guess yeah. they need a new roof. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying that they didn't ever repair the roof in other times. This is just the documented oh, times okay. that it was... <laughs> I mean, it may have had some other things, but this was a, a actually minute. a documented, oh, the roof was replaced at this point. We have running water, but we have buckets because of all the... <laughs> that's where the running water that's came where from. Running water. Okay. That, are you saying that that was the <laughs> inclusion of running water? Yeah, now? you know, the roof's not fixed, so we got the uh, running water that goes into the bucket. Oh, goodness. Well, Do we need to start this over? No, no, no okay, we'll just keep going. People might be dropping off soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. In any case, the final and probably after the fire, this is like the most major overhaul that existed. Yeah, this one, um, this, this one right here. This is, is where some funny stuff may have happened. Yeah, this is where it starts getting getting quite interesting. Yeah. Especially in, in, out there among the conspiracy theorists yes in 1945 harry truman um enters office and then they have a major overhaul of the building there were a lot of structural problems that had been building up over the years um and so what they did was they had installed some floor bearing steel beams and um, some of the interior was sort of stripped bare and then they added a new concrete foundation in its place now they added a concrete foundation the cornerstone of the building 
has disappeared. Yeah, it's missing. Could it actually be there but embedded within the concrete? Would they or, have taken it off site when they did add the concrete, put it in for safekeeping, and forget to bring it back? So, if you haven't heard the conspiracy theory about this, Harry Truman was a Mason, mm-hmm. and um, you know he moves in. Now, of course, George Washington was too, and he laid the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Yes, George okay. Washington was there for the laying of the cornerstone. Yeah. And there's a famous picture of him in his well drawing. Oh, oh you're talking about well George Truman. Washington. He no George Washington is in his Masonic outfit, in a the drawing, drawing of laying yeah. the cornerstone of the White House. But okay, so here comes Harry Truman, who's a Mason. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got these major structural damages. We got to totally gut the house and you know redo everything, and then the cornerstone comes up missing. So the the theory is is the masons have it they Mm -hmm. took it yes you know and it's in the masonic lodge in dc Mm -hmm. that's the theory but you know yeah so some some people think that it was you know stolen some believe the masons have borrowed it they also believe Uh, that george washington left something in there in the corners right that's why they took it right open it up and right whatever and there's others that just say it's you know it was embedded in the concrete. and yeah. So there's lots of theories out there as to what happened to the cornerstone. But either way, it's not there. Either way, yes, we do not have eyes on it anymore. Um, all Which right. is weird. Yeah. But <laughs> of then, all things to be missing, the cornerstone. Yeah. But. but then again, we were just talking about it, I think, today or yesterday. The cornerstone for our school building where we teach is today. not actually in our building either, you know. Dear, that was today. That was I today. I told you we'll do this as the thing. And oh, we were talking about the cornerstone. The and, days you know, are blending together. <laughs> but you know, it's sitting out in front of our building, so maybe yeah. they just like, like some people said they just forgot to put it back in, and then it kind of just got knocked over, broken, lost, whatever, and just disappeared from history. Uh, after that one, uh, I think that probably the one that if anybody knows of it, they know of this one, and that's the renovation that the Kennedys did when yes. they were in office. Basically, they didn't do major renovations to the structure so much as the decor, yeah. uh, but they did do some some remodeling, and, and even till through today, you know, if something needs repaired, we're going to work on fixing it. This is our special building, you know, and we want to make sure it stays there so. and i don't want to get into much about the kennedys but um because that's a later podcast mm-hmm. and we could go more about the quarterstone too but um the kennedys were the royalty of the united states okay camelot that yes. kind of thing mm-hmm. after their renovations were done jacqueline went on national television and did a tour of the White House yes. that appeared on TV. So mm-hmm. that was a huge deal yes. back then. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Okay, keep on going. 
Well, just again through that was the the most recent major renovation that happened but of course we had other little small things like um they added a circular drive to the exterior of the west wing in the 6970 ish um they added a new press briefing room uh they uh the press brief you want to tell them about that was covered up the swimming pool yes the swimming pool was put in by uh um Roosevelt. Roosevelt, yeah. Um, for therapy. Yes. He, that's what he had the swimming pool in. And then um, Nixon, I believe, was the one to put the press room I in. believe he closed it up, covered yeah. it up, and put in the press briefing yeah. room. He so, wanted the briefing room closer to his office in the West Wing. And mm-hmm. Maybe he's just not a swimmer. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. But if you end up, up getting into the press briefing room... Yeah. Um, it used to be the swimming pool. You're at the people who, all the reporters and that, that sit in that room, their chairs are actually on top of the swimming pool. Yep. Yeah, so if they... It's very famous. I mean, when you see yeah. a press release coming out of the White House, that used that's, to be the swimming pool. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay, that's enough of saying swimming pool. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> swimming pool, swimming in pool. 1978, they actually did a study, and they tested and assessed the exterior paint of the building, and they ended up removing about 40 layers of paint from the building in not all areas, but in most of the areas that um, allowed them to do repairs to the stone, which was actually starting to deteriorate. And then in the Carter administration, um, they got the very first, you'll like this one, computer. I hate computers. Oh. Why would I like that? (laughs) They got the very first computer and laser printer. Should we tell the people why we're so tired and cranky tonight? Sure, go ahead. Well, this is our first official week back to, or official. To school. To school, so it. Today was the first day the teachers come back, so it was a long day. <laughs> long day. And I got to sit and listen to all kinds of and... professional development yeah. stuff, and you got to work so on setting everybody's passwords again because yeah. they forgot yeah. them over the summer. So we apologize if we're tired and cranky. But <laughs> hey, it's Wednesday night. We, we promise Wednesday night by 9, 10 o'clock we That's get right. to have this podcast. That's right. So. That's right. Anyway, so um, they got the new, they got their new first computer People and laser printer. Going, what the freak? Ghost in the White House? What are they talking about? Like, okay. And then eventually, Wait, when did they say, did they say, did you say laser printer? Yes. Wow, back then. Yeah, mm. yeah, That's with like, Carter. Must, must have been huge. I know, right? But it amazes me that <coughs> the internet didn't show up in there until George. H.W. Bush in 1992. Well, that's about right. No, seriously, that's about um, when the web and stuff like that came Became about. pretty... Yeah, well, then. Okay, I thought it was a little 90s. earlier than that. Well, no, not really, because no. it was all text-based back then, before the web. Okay. Go for right. servers and stuff like that. It was mostly in colleges. Do you want to really... Do you really want me to get into the history of the internet? It starts back to the old ARPNET, which was... A fallback network for the military. Okay. So there probably was a line there that we just didn't know about that the president could get on. But the internet structure of the internet is if they took down a certain military base in the United States, there was a fallback for communications to go to other bases. So that's why they call it the internetwork. 
Okay. All right, so all those routers and everything, if one location will go down, it wouldn't bring down communications like it did during World War II and things like that. They would go into Germany and stuff and take down the communication post and would shut down the whole region. You know, the Internet in the United States was based on the ARPNET. So it went from that, the military building that network, and then opening it up to colleges and schools and libraries and things like that, and it was text-based. Then, I forget the guy's name. I taught that, too. I forget the guy's name who uh, came up with hypertext. And that was the beginning of the World Wide Web, and that was in the early 90s. Okay. So maybe it's not as bad. I thought it was in the 80s. Mm, No, that wasn't like dollop. You know, early 80s. So you think that you think that our president would have had like the the best stuff as well, early as Well, he probably did, could. but it was probably he had operators that did that and gave him a printout. You know? Gotcha. He wasn't probably an operator like you're an operator now when you right. go on to the World Wide Web. In the techie world, you're considered an operator of that computer. Right. Okay. So he probably didn't go on it. Okay. So the president probably okay. I can in the see late eighties he. They probably didn't know how to do it. It was okay. like, whoa, what's this stuff? And they just brought them printouts and okay. stuff. Okay. All right. I could see that. <clears throat> All right. Makes sense. Now they're tweeting. Yeah. And and I'm sure they're Snapchatting and everything else. Absolutely. So. Okay. Well, what else shall we talk about? How did about? we get on that topic? How much time did we waste on talking about the history <laughs> of the Internet? Sorry, folks. All right. Um, where are we at time-wise? 32 minutes. We should we be should take a break. We should take a break. break. Are, so are you kind of done Yeah, with let's take a break, and then when we come back, uh, we yeah, can go and start talking start about, about some of the paranormal reports that have come out yeah. of this building. Truly what the podcast is about. Well, the, the subject of it, yeah. Yeah. So let's take a quick break, and we will be back in, oh, just a couple minutes. All right, stay tuned. Mark your calendars, close your doors, and turn off all the lights. As twice a month, BTE Radio brings you a new episode of The Haunted Spotlight. Sean and Marianne Donnelly of Dark Shadow Ghost Tours dig deep into the archives of the Panic D database and take you inside a different location with each new episode. Learn the rich history and hear the paranormal claims of some of the most infamous and unsuspecting locations from around the country. Ever wonder what roams the property or lurks behind those closed doors? Curious about the true history of that creepy house that sits down the street? Want to know what evidence a paranormal investigation group may have captured? Then find out every other Sunday and tune in to BTE Radio for another chilling episode of The Haunted Spotlight, if you dare. (laughs) Okay, we are back and we are talking about ghosts of the White House. And, uh, you know... I have to apologize again if we're all over the place with it, but, you know, but we're a little punchy today, but I just remembered that, that story again, and I want to, <laughs> I find it kind of amusing. What what was it, like, 
three years ago we went to Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Ish. Ish, roughly. I've been to Washington, D.C. once before for a conference and never left the hotel. Didn't get to see anything, go anywhere, or do anything. It was like, go for the conference and come home. That was it. Stayed in the hotel the whole time because they had a restaurant and everything. We never left the building. You and I go to Washington, D.C. We go around. We go to Ford's Theater. It was great. We went to the Arlington Cemetery. It was great. Lincoln Memorial, all that other stuff. The one thing (laughs) we didn't go and do, because I'm like, ah, I've seen it, was the White House. Mm -hmm. We drove by it. This is the stop where we go to see the White House. I'm like, ah, I've seen the White House. I have never in person seen the White House. And I don't know when we're going to get back there, but... I just kind of. I hope we go back. I kind of remember. I leave the earth, but I kind of remember that day, and we were on a on the tram trolley. It was it was hot, (laughs) and they said, "Okay, well, if you're we'll stop here, and you have to walk like a block and a half that way to go to the White House." And you're like, "No, we're we'll just stay on the trolley." Like, oh, okay. It's nice and cool on that. (laughs) But they didn't get to see the White House, right? You saw the White House before, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Like, stand in front of it and take a picture with the... Mm, I don't... Like, the picture you see with the fence and stuff. I don't know if I took a picture, but yeah. You know. Yeah. Make faces at the president? Every no, they come I out and rush make, you, that kind no, of stuff. No, no. Well, I thing. didn't do that. <laughs> good thing we didn't go to the White House, because I was going to do that. But anyways. <laughs> all right, so let's keep going. We're gonna Now we're going to start talking about some of these ghost stories, which all is right. probably why the people have downloaded this podcast. And That's right. To. That's right. So the first half hour, you could fast forward. Well, you're already to this point, so you probably already did fast forward. But oh, wow! <laughs> oh, okay, so goodness. go ahead. Let's let's start out with the first one. All right. Or do you want me to do the first one? You do the next one. Oh, sure. Go ahead. All right. You're- so the first one that we have is the actual ghost or apparition of a man named David Burns. Mm-hmm. Now, David Burns was a farmer. Okay. Basically, mm-hmm. and he owned the property. That the White House was built on. Yes. Okay. Well, you said in the beginning, I think you said, that Congress made a decision to build a house for our president in a federal area. Well, I didn't say that. I said didn't that. Did you say that? that? No, it's, I said that at some point we decided, after the bur- okay. it was burned, and we said, well, maybe we should move it. But I didn't tell him originally okay. it was set there. Well, that was the original idea of building the White House, is in a federal area. Well, it just so happens poor Mr. David Burns mm-hmm. owned this farm property where they want to build the house. Yes. So he was forced <laughs> to sell them the property for the White House. Yeah, he was forced to sell it. Didn't have a, you know, didn't have a choice. It's like, yeah. you're selling it. This is where we're yeah. building it. We're building it right here. Eminent domain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, we don't have the claims here for him, though. Well, eventually there the, are... Oh, they see him they walking see around him. the halls of mm-hmm. the White House. Um, yes, and he looks unhappy. Well, they they <laughs> built this big White House in the middle of his cornfield. I'd be unhappy, too. <laughs> yeah. I gave him 20 bucks for it. <laughs> but that's one of them. Go ahead. Yes. You can do the next one. All right, so another one is um, a seamstress uh, who had lived in the White House, um, Lillian Rogers Parks. She, in a memoir, told the story of a valet 
of President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who reportedly told her and others that they had heard a disembodied voice coming from a distance in the yellow oval room. Okay, well, saying, before you say that, okay, for those who are not into the paranormal, okay, a disembodied voice is a voice that comes out of nowhere. There's no body disembodied okay. from the voice. And it's like, not where did that come sure, from? Sure, yes. Okay. Most of the time now we pick that up on recordings because there's so much different noise going on that unless you're in a real quiet place, which back then they would have, because you, mm-hmm. you didn't have like, you know, cars and all that. But anyways, right. go ahead. Well, so what, what, anyways, what did they hear that anyways, this disembodied it kind of voice goes, say? It goes with yours. This time we didn't see him, but this is where we hear a voice that says, I'm Mr. Burns. Now, during the Truman administration, there was actually um, a guard that heard the same voice. So it's been heard many times. Um, But at the point that he heard it, he thought it was Secretary of State James Burns. And um, he went to look for him, but he found out he wasn't there that day at all. So um, that was kind of a story that ties in, you know, you're Mr. Mr. Burns. Burns. You're standing you know? on my field. Yeah. I'm Mr. Burns. This is my land, you yeah. know. But um, he's all, always heard saying, I'm Mr. Burns, somewhere, from somewhere. But then with yours, it was he's seen walking. So. Okay, so this next one is from First Lady Frances Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Now, her and President Cleveland were actually married in the white house in the blue room in 1886 she is widely claimed to haunt the room where she was married and was seen there after her death in 1947 she's been heard crying in the white house corridors on the second floor as well mm-hmm. now i could see that because a marriage is an event that has high emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you think now you're getting married in the White House. In the White House yeah. to the president. Yeah. Okay. So there was probably a lot of people there. You know, Big her deal. Parents, her mother probably was like, if she was there, I'm the same, but I could just imagine her mother crying and, you know, you're getting all this energy that's getting into that house. That mm-hmm. that could be a residual haunting. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, go ahead. You do the next one. All right. Uh, in 1824, Andrew Old Hickory Jackson was defeated by John Quincy Probably Adams, Old Hickory, old Hickory <laughs> for one of the most contentious presidential elections in history, and uh, he was elected president four years later, and he still held grudges. So he held some grudges against those who had supported his opponent in the prior election. And um, in the early 1860s, of course, we know Mary Todd Lincoln, President Lincoln's wife, believed very strongly in the occult. And she reported that she held seances. And we know that that's, I mean, that's documented places as, as well. 
Um, but she held seances in the White House to try to communicate with the spirits of her dead sons. Remember, she did lose two of them while in office. And um, well, while her husband was in office, she told friends that during these seances, um, she before heard. Or after she went crazy. Uh, before, been, I think. Before. I mean, it was probably around the same time because it's after her kids died. But Now, people might be listening to that and thinking, she's holding a seance. She's already gone crazy. Right. That's just crazy. Yeah, but, but she was doing this In the to... 1860s, you know, if you do a little research, that was the time period of another religion that was formed called spiritualism. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did was the, the seance. I mean, that mm-hmm. was big time. Yeah, and she was, itself. I mean, she was obviously pained. She had lost her children already. Yeah. But, oh, she but, got into it because she was interested in talking with right. her son. Right, yeah. So. In any case, she told friends that she heard Jackson actually roaming through the building stomping his feet as he walked and swearing as he went Can you around imagine sitting in a seance and you hear that <laughs> yeah. old hickory yeah well we don't want you buddy. He, he apparently was not happy with the you know other people who didn't support him well enough and went even after his death he still holds those grudges and he's still we're gonna do things my way um, so he's also supposed to haunt um, his the room that he used while he was president, um, and it is considered to be the most haunted room in the house. Word. You don't hear bedchamber. Bedchamber. Yeah. You don't hear that yeah. anymore. He's like, I'm going to bed. Right. My bedroom. Yeah. But I'm going to start then, calling our bedroom my bedchamber. Okay. I like that word. It's just. Yeah, but if it's you think cool. about it, what did they Bed do? Chamber. They went there to sleep. They also had changing rooms right. and they things had like that. Rooms to right. Your clothes in, so rooms in the, this was know. literally the room for their bed. My bed chamber. That's right. Yeah. I like that word. Okay. Well, his ghost is spirits. Leave me alone while I'm in my bed chamber. <laughs> well, his ghost also. Click, there goes another listener. <laughs> showed up not only from Mary Todd Lincoln. However, it also showed up in Harry Truman's correspondence. Apparently, just a couple of months into his first term in office, <coughs> it was June of 1945, and he wrote to his wife, Bess, who wasn't at the White House with him, and he spoke to her about the spooky qualities of his new residence. It says, in his letter to her, he wrote, I sit here in this old house and work on foreign affairs, read reports, and work on speeches, all the while listening to the ghosts walk up and down the hallway and even right here in the study. The floors pop and the drapes move back and forth. I can just imagine old Andy Jackson and Teddy Roosevelt having an argument over Frankie Franklin Roosevelt. At four o'clock, I was awakened by three distinct knocks on my bedroom door, and no one was there. Damned place is haunted, sure as shooting. Well, that's why Bess wasn't there. I don't blame her. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he was blaming some of these things on Jackson, but he also was like, dude, I don't know what's going on here, but there's something. She probably wasn't there because the the place was, like, not safe to be in. (laughs) (laughs) If you think about it, they're the ones that totally period, yeah. But this is Harry Truman. Right. President. Harry Truman wrote this letter to his wife. Right. 
Do you think Harry Truman was credible? A mm. credible person? He is considered to be very, very credible. Chalk yes. one up to my argument in the first <laughs> half of the podcast. All right. All right. Moving on. I'm going to let you do this president. one because he's your favorite. That's right. We are going to talk about Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Okay, so let's get back and talk about residual hauntings just for a little bit, okay? Because that is what I truly believe that this is with Abraham Lincoln. Yep, okay. Now, as I said with the wedding one, Mm -hmm. um, high emotions and low emotions can sometimes trigger effect of people, you know, off of people where that energy stays in that area, okay? And a residual haunting is kind of like a recording that keeps playing over and over and over. Sometimes people, well, these are all theories, by the way, but some people think sometimes that um, during periods of the same type of stress or something, it could trigger a residual haunting, or the same type of happiness could also trigger residual haunting. That's why sometimes you, you see a lot of, uh, or hear about a lot of, hauntings in theaters and stuff like that where the, where they see people who used to come all the time or people who loved working in there they would see them walking down the thing so it's a um, it's not a uh, intelligent response where you would have a ghost or a poltergeist or something like that it's there haunting you it's something that triggers that energy to replay those moments the description of the sightings of Abraham Lincoln and the situation that this poor guy was in. You know, the more I research Abraham Lincoln, the more I feel sorry for him. I've always liked Abraham Lincoln just because he looked funny. You know, he was a goofy-looking man. Oh, my goodness. You ever look at an actual photograph of Abraham Lincoln, you're going like, man, why would somebody marry this man? He had big ears. He was just goofy-looking. and then he wore Tall that top and lanky. Hat. And- yeah, and he was like, you know, a good old boy, you know, type thing. But he was very intelligent, okay? And when you have intelligent people, they have a tendency to take um, take things that are extremely stressful. They become quiet. They become depressed because they're trying to solve these issues in their head. You know, they'll... You'll see them pacing. You'll see them um, rubbing their hands together. They can't sleep. Sound familiar, by yeah. the way? Not saying I'm an intelligent person, but does it sound familiar? <laughs> yep. You know, so they're, they're trying because they feel that they're responsible for something. Mm-hmm. And they've been charged with the duty. It's their job to solve the problem. Okay, well, think about when Lincoln was president. What was going on? The Civil War, right? He was charged with... The responsibility of keeping this nation together mm-hmm. through politics. Okay? Now, right across the river from the White House was the military barracks. And he would often visit there and see the soldiers or the wounded and things like that. And this was very weighing on him. And this is why, you know, they said he was highly depressed and things like that. And I truly believe that he knew that you know because he's reported that he saw his own demise and things like that he was ready to be done with it when he went to ford's theater like he was in that type of mood you know what i'm saying like and i made this comment before he only had one week during his presidency 
and it wasn't a week that was together where it was not something very extremely stressful going on. You know, in the beginning was the start of the war, and at the end, war was over. Hey, we go to the Ford's Theater, boom, done. Okay, so he spent a lot of time in, they call it the Lincoln's bedroom, okay, but that was his Oval Office. That's where a lot of these sightings take place. And a lot of people see him at the window, staring out the window, rubbing his hands. They see him pacing. They hear him walking up and down the hallways. What does this sound like? You know, he's stressed out. He's trying to solve this problem. And uh, there's a lot of people who have witnessed this, mm-hmm. heard this. Uh, even the story, like we mentioned before, about Winston Churchill. He stayed there in Lincoln's bedroom, and he came out of the bathroom. He, you know, he's just one of those guys that drip dry, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he came out of the bathroom naked and saw Abraham Lincoln sitting by the fireplace just rocking, rocking, rocking. He made a comment, well, Mr. President, you have me at a disadvantage. This is quite funny. Yeah, so I, I find that, that story is actually amusing. But that's Winston Churchill, you know. Again, a credible person, you know. He probably was a big drinker, I would assume. But, um, you know, so who, we made a list. Who were some of these other people that would, and it's kind of like they witnessed the same thing. He's either rocking in a rocking chair. Or standing, looking. Or standing, looking at the window, window. rubbing his hands. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the same type of. The same three types of things over and over again. So do you you disagree or agree with me? No, I agree. this scenario absolutely of, of agree it on. seems to be a residual. can you imagine though being being re- responsible for you know all the deaths all the young kids and everything a civil war and you know and you're responsible for com- putting it to an end i mean he wasn't really and concerned if- about any political or anything like that he just wanted to fix and solve this yeah. problem because if you don't the cl- country is splitting yes so if you can't make this happen. It was a lot of response. Yeah. You know, and there's probably people out there who hated Lincoln and all that stuff like that. A lot but of the Southerners If did, you read but... a lot of books and, and, and do research on Abraham Lincoln, he took that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is my responsibility. And he, he had many different quotes and, and everything. And if you put them all together and look at it, it all ties back to that same thing. That was weighing on him that whole time. And... I could I could see very easily many 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 if not almost every sleepless nights just what am I going to do how am I going to do this I don't want to kill people but you know and when when he was and, I, and I'm keep going off on Lincoln but I want to do additional podcasts on him, but he had no military experience whatsoever when he became president he actually learned military strategy the first six months while he was in I mean he taught himself how to mm-hmm. do that okay anyway so who, who are some of these other people who have actually witnessed this same uh, phenomenon calvin coolidge's wife grace she was actually listed as the first person to say that they actually saw him she's the first one to come out and say yeah i saw lincoln today okay, um so there's one so you got that then you have lady bird johnson two franklin roosevelt's valet three now we keep saying Franklin Roosevelt's valet. We said it out a couple of times. Yeah. We need to clear that up a little bit. He was the one who helped Franklin Delano, you know, helped him because his 
his uh, he was kind of like yeah. his butler type thing so he wasn't just somebody who was a servant this guy actually lived with him and was with him all the time to help him get around go to the bathroom get dressed mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff okay so go ahead um then we have eleanor roosevelt queen wilhelmina of the netherlands of course the prime minister winston churchill which you mentioned mm-hmm. um that seamstress that I mentioned that heard about Mr. Burns, Lillian Rogers Parks, mm-hmm. she saw him. Carl Sandburg, Teddy Roosevelt, Herbert Hoover, Nancy Reagan, her children, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and Jacqueline Kennedy. So you're talking approximately about 15 different people who have witnessed yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. I love that story mm-hmm. because it's just, it makes sense. It ties into the theories. It, it you know, it's just, yeah. we have they're to get, out there, folks. Yeah. We have to yeah. get a, a, a good friend to get to become president so that you we can. You mean at the White House? Yeah. So Kinda that like we pixels. can go. Yeah. So we can spend the night in the Lincoln bedroom because <laughs> I want to see Lincoln standing there looking out the window or sitting rocking Wouldn't in that, that chair. Awesome? I mean, especially since he's seen, he is, is one though, of our if favorites. If it's residual, you would just witness. Right. It. You know, you, you wouldn't get an answer or something from him, but, you know. Yeah. That would just be. It would be awesome. I would probably just say okay you know, they can't talk that <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> all right so that's the story of uh now if you guys haven't heard that before you know drop us a line um and if you've heard something else or heard it differently or whatever um because i really love that whole thing and i i want to delve into the ghost of abraham lincoln and do a whole mm. podcast on that and if you've ever stayed in the lincoln bedroom yeah and you have a story by all means, we want to know. All right. So do you want to go over these? These are different locations throughout the uh, White House. Mm-hmm. And, and some, some of the of ghosts them. and who saw them, who reported them. Um, I'm, 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 I will. I'm just trying to. Okay. So this is the next story here. But, um, yeah, I just want to see where we're at. Okay. So the first one, well, I guess we're starting at the top. Well, there's no better place. Exactly. Start at the top. Work your way down. Well, you basically could start at the bottom work your way up. Or in the middle work your way out to both sides. <laughs> Shut up. Go ahead. All right. Um, in the attic, there is a ghost that appears. Um, the shortest serving president of the United States was William Henry Harrison. And he was also the first to die in office. He actually had pneumonia, and uh, it was really severe. And within a month of his inauguration, he was dead. Um, but so he didn't have a lot of time to make policy. No, but apparently he wanted to spend more time there than well, that one month. He was elected for four and years. so he <laughs> haunts the White House. Supposedly, he haunts the attic of the White House. I wonder why the attic. He is seen rummaging for something. So really? he's looking for something, but nobody knows what he's looking for. Uh, but he's seen looking and rummaging around, looking for something Maybe unknown. Maybe it's a flu shot. Oh, my God, that was bad. That was real, really oh, bad. That was bad. Um, that was bad. 
And especially over the Oval Office, a lot of presidents have actually reported that they've heard unexplained noises coming from the attic directly above the Oval Office. Um, others report that Harrison's not alone up there, that a Truman-era security guard uh, also heard that famous I am David Burns coming from that same area above the Oval Office as well. So really? Burns and Harrison are having a talk up apparently up in the something. attic. Maybe they're looking for the deed or something. <laughs> like he's be. like, I have the deed. No, I have the deed. I don't know. That's totally my own made up story there, by the way. Um, but those two individuals are supposedly haunting the attic. So um, if okay. we move on to the Rose Garden. What? Um, the Rose Garden, I like this one. Um, it is not um, something that very many people haven't seen. Because most of the presidential announcements are actually, you know, from the Rose Garden or has the Rose Garden in the, in the view. Um it's also a creepy haunting location as well because apparently First Lady Dolly Madison originally plants it, turns it into the Rose Garden, and a century later, First Lady Wilson, um, she wanted it dug up. And the garden workers who she gave this task to said that when they started working on that Madison's ghost appeared and prevented them from destroying her garden and since that time a lot of other White House insiders have reported the occasional smell of roses in the White House and these instances are often given credit to Madison's ghost who is tending and taking care of her garden and making sure it stays where she wanted it. Can you imagine that? Yeah. You have one first lady is saying, hey, get them roses out of there. I can't stand roses. You go down and pull them up, and here's a ghost of a first lady saying, you touch them things, and, you know, we're going to have problems. Yeah. That would be a sucky job. Yeah, I don't who care. Do I, I think my job's here. bad, but... Mm. <laughs> Wow. All right, so, All right, so now we're going down to the We're going to go basement. down, 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 okay. down. All right, so down in the basement, there is supposed to be something dire that's lurking there. Unlike the other areas that are inhabited by spirits of figures of American history that we know and love, the basement is supposed to be haunted by a demon cat. Well, not just a cat. A demon, a demon cat. cat, yeah. Okay. Um, supposedly, those of... The, those of the individuals who have seen this claim that it appears first initially as a small little kitten. But when you get closer to it, it actually becomes larger and grows very phantom-like and turns into a beast. So that must be where the demon comes in. Exactly. Exactly. So it starts as a nice, happy kitty, and you want to go over and pet it and see if you can take it out to safety. And it turns out when you get close... It's not a happy kitty after all. Uh, but according to legends, it gets better. Yeah. yeah, according to legends, um, there are many years where you don't encounter the demon cat at all. Nobody sees it for years and years and years. But when it does appear, it seems to kind of pre kind of <coughs> predict 
uh, and warn of a national disaster that's a brewing. Uh, the demon cat was supposedly sighted shortly before the Lincoln assassination, the great stock market crash of the 1920s, and right before President Kennedy's assassination. Wow. wonder if it was seen before 9-11. There was a theory that someone had seen it. But then there's others that say, no, that wasn't true. So I did not include that one because that one is sort of up for grabs as to whether that was true or not. Um, but, yeah, th- there were individuals so who said s- it was If you're in the basement of the White House and you see this demon cat. You tell somebody. <laughs> yeah. Give us a call, will you, please? Because then we'll go get in our bomb shelter. Yeah. Because there's to going to be some, some problems. So wow. the demon cat of the basement, we don't want to see. Great story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Second floor. All right. So on the second floor, well, second floor this is the residence of the first family. And many stories tend to emerge from this area. Um, remember, one of the most frequently reported White House ghosts is Lincoln. And the second floor hallways are some of the places that he likes to walk a lot. He's been seen and heard by many of the residents there, including Roosevelt and Truman. Um, and actually, President Truman once claimed to have heard Lincoln pacing the hallway and knocking on his bedroom door. But it's not just Lincoln that is roaming those halls. Um, Taft is also um, the first person who reported seeing the ghost of Abigail Adams. Abby. Yeah, and he saw her floating through the doors on the second floor. Now, that doesn't bother me. No. And it kind of goes with the residual haunts. Remember, the inside of the building was changed. renovated yeah, several times from when she lived there. Yeah. Yeah. They were the first to live there. So, yeah, the layout of that second floor might not be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in the bedrooms on the second floor, of course, um, the... Uh, president's family and guests of their families uh they stay there on the second floor and one husband and wife pair actually reported the ghost of a british soldier who tried to set fire to their bed so they're in their bedroom and here comes this british soldier and he tries to light their bed on fire wow it's presumed that this was actually the soldier who set fire to the house during the war of 1812 so um, that's what they're thinking that is. But whether or not this soldier in 1812 went through the whole house or whether he just kind of threw it in through the windows, we're not sure. But that's what they think that it might be. Or they ate some bad food before they went to bed. I don't know because there were other people who have seen that as well. That was a joke. <laughs> that's just one I instance I haven't heard too it. many ghost stories where you wake up and you see a soldier trying to set your bed on fire. True. Have you? No, no. There's lots of them. There's lots of them that I know of where Civil War soldiers are often seen coming into the rooms of the house. Um, But as far as a British soldier soldier and literally setting fire to your bed, no, not. I can't say that there's any other place except for the White House that I've heard that one. So, Uh, Linda. Oh, goodness. Robert did it. Lyndon Johnson's daughter, Linda, she once reported on the second floor that she saw Lincoln's son, Willie, who died in the room that she was staying in. And um, we know 
that Abraham Lincoln and his wife did allow seances to be held in the White House and attempted to contact Willie, uh, who did die there. So um, it is quite possible. There. Yes, and was stored there. And was quite possible that, you know, he he was brought there through those seances. But um, Willie has also been seen walking the halls as well. You know, I, I'm i going to probably deviate here just for a second okay. real quick. But, okay, I, I, I can't remember, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but when he died, didn't they keep him down in the basement in the coffin? Because eventually when they left the White House, they were going to take him back to Illinois? Yes, but I'm not sure it was the basement. But they did keep him on the grounds, and President Lincoln used to go every night and sit with him. Yeah, okay, that's the weird so they didn't bury him in the ground no they kept him his yes. coffin in yes. the building yes because when they left they were going to take him back home correct. basically correct and he eventually did go back home with, uh, his, with dad. his dad mm-hmm. uh, both of them in coffins so yeah um something that may be a little bit happier but still scary at the same time um on the second floor in the bedroom areas, there are also ghostly screams that are heard. And it's supposedly the screams of President Grover Cleveland's wife, who was the very first woman to give birth in the White House. So um, they think that this is her in agony as she's, you know, I mean, women scream a lot when they're giving birth. Okay, so now this would would concern me. Okay. Okay. This is... This is- is this present time they heard this? Um, actually, following the re- renovations of 1952 in that area of the house, those counts of seeing hearing this has decreased significantly. Okay. But it was in 40s, 50s, right? Yes. Secret Service was around. Oh, right? yeah. You're hearing a scream of somebody in Coming the Coming from the, the White first house. family's area yeah. of living? Yeah. yeah. You think they've shown up with you know, guns drawn? Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a little concerning. Yeah. Okay. But at least this was sort of a joyful thing, right? The birth of someone's child is supposedly well, yeah, a very happy... it's joyful to hear a woman scream. Happy time. Well, as soon as... <laughs> uh, supposedly, I've never had children of my own, but supposedly after you've screamed enough and pushed that baby out, then you, you're very happy. So this was, you know... So Oh, okay. A happy so the time. joy of having a baby, yes, okay. not the scream itself and right. giving birth, but right? But the, the afterthought, yes. I see. You okay. see? Okay, I, I'm, I'm with you now. Okay. Well, on the second floor, also, <laughs> even to this day, there are things that have been heard, and in fact, our current first lady Michelle Obama has reported that she and President Barack Obama have awakened from sleep in the middle of the night with hearing strange sounds in the hallway. And everybody is asleep. They hear, you know, this barking and jumping around of a dog. And the president and she went out in the hall to see who was there. And it was just their dog, Bo. But he seemed to be playing ball with someone. But there was no one else there. Get out. So to this day... um, there are things that are happening on the second floor. I don't know. Maybe Willie. I don't think it was Lincoln. I don't think it was Abraham Lincoln because that's a residual. Mm-hmm. I, you know. Willie? It I think be. it's Willie. 
I think it would be Willie because he, he would play. Lineman. He played all the time in the in the White House. He played games. He he actually hid the neighbor's dog yeah. in the attic of the White House at some, at one point. Could so I think it's Willie. Yeah. Now Willie's Willie's spirit could been could be intelligent, right? Because he could have been mm. brought there through the seances. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. All right. So we're going to move on, leave the uh, second floor area a little bit, and go to the yellow oval room. And this is um, where President Lincoln held his personal library. Uh, This is one of his favorite rooms of the house. And numerous employees have have seen this. Lincoln's personal library. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this is one of the places where Lincoln is often seen, and in for good reason. If this was his sense. famous favorite room in the house, and he had his you know library there, of course he's going to spend a lot of time there. Um, of course, as we mentioned earlier, Grace Coolidge was the first one to claim to have seen him, and uh, seen him from this room. Also, David Burns' voice has been heard from this room again. Mr. Burns again. Yep. Um, And uh, Mary Todd Lincoln actually reported seeing the ghosts of Thomas Jefferson and John Tyler there. So not only is her husband seen there, but she saw other presidents there. Uh, And, of course, other visitors have reported um, phantom violin music coming from this room. They go in and there's nobody in there playing violin. Uh, And this was uh, or is suggested to be Thomas Jefferson, who his favorite instrument was the violin. And they think that he might be practicing from beyond the grave. He was a very well-known and very good violinist. Mm -hmm. Now, on the north portico, um, there is that British soldier with the fire found oh, the same again. same guy is um, trying to set the bed on fire. We don't know if it's the, the same. Portico. We don't know if it's the same oh, guy, but British it is soldier. another British soldier trying to set fire to things. Uh, so uh, people have also reported seeing a White House usher and doorman that were still there per- trying to tend to their duties as individuals came up to the portico um perhaps the most bizarre though is the ghost of anna surrett now she was um the daughter of mary surrett who was hanged surratt surratt i always called her surratt okay all right well she's actually her, the daughter of Mary, who was hanged in eighteen sixty-five. Me, but no, I that's remember okay. Hearing that in in, in documentaries. Okay. Surratt. Okay. All right. Uh, from the like Lincoln assassination. It looks like Surratt, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, she was she was supposedly part of the group that um, was. Part of the conspiracy. Part of the conspiracy to have Lincoln assassinated. And she was actually hung for this. Mm-hmm. And um, so Anne has been seen pounding on the White House doors, begging for her mother's release. And she is also reported to just sit on the front steps every July 7th, which is the anniversary of her mother's execution. So Anne is... Is there trying to uh, 
Yeah. Trying to keep her mom from getting executed. Didn't work. Did not work. Maybe Did she'll try work. again next year. Maybe. And I want to try to be there July 7th some year. Are you going to go sit on the steps? No, I'm just going to go stand up. Excuse me, miss. I'm going to go. I want to go sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, tonight. You go to D.C. (laughs) I'll go back on the cruise. Oh, okay. Because you'll be in jail when I get back. (laughs) (laughs) Just take your (sighs) order. All right. (laughs) Because I want to hear what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Not willing to come with me, but you want me to record it. I would not mess with somebody who carries a submachine gun (laughs) underneath their their shirt or suit jacket. You don't think they would appreciate me saying, hey, I would like to stay here and wait for Anne? You have been with me when I have tried to joke with TSA agents. We're talking Secret Service. Those guys (laughs) would put me down on the ground in five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) No sense of humor whatsoever. None. All right. And you know I couldn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> What's the matter? You can't just let my wife go in there for a minute? <laughs> House is owned by the people, damn it. <laughs> okay. All right. East room. Oh, All right. Man, I think we should just start over. Go ahead. Stop. <laughs> All right. So, um, <coughs> at the time that Abigail and her husband, John Adams, the second president of the United States, moved into the White House... Um, from the former U.S. Capitol building in Philly, which we've also gone to. Um, Do we? Philadelphia, yes. Yeah, but did we go to the, the building? Or the... Okay, anyway. Anyway. Um, basically, yes, the... the East Room was the warmest and driest of the building. Because remember, it wasn't completed yet. Mm-hmm. So when they moved in, it wasn't okay, finished. I remember this one. Well, the East Room... Is this the one about the uh, laundry? Mm-hmm. So she would often hang her washings in this area. And so her so her clothes would dry and things like that, especially in the winter months. So her ghost is often seen in a lace shawl and cap and has reportedly been seen in that area or heading towards the east room with her arms outstretched as if she's carrying a laundry basket. Now, sightings of this were big in the Taft administration time, Um, but it's also been seen as late as 2002 by a group of tourists who were visiting the building on one of those tours. And they were like, who's the lady over there with her arms outstretched? (laughs) They're like, oh my goodness, that's Abigail Adams. Um, that's messed up. Yeah. But now, we isn't also... is the East Room where they, like, have all those um, real fancy-spancy dinners? Uh, I'm not sure if they do them all in there or not. Like but when they invite dignitaries, the dignitaries from other countries I'm and they have those big dinners. And not I think quite it's sure. Room. I could be wrong. I don't I'm know. I'm not but quite sure. But I think sure. it is the East Room. Could you imagine sitting there eating? <laughs> Here comes Abby. Yeah. yeah. Hangs up the string. <laughs> Hanging her laundry. Anyways, um, in addition to us or individuals seeing Abigail Adams carrying her little laundry basket over there, um, they also smell laundry soap, which again makes sense because that was the room where she was doing her laundry. Um, But also, Abraham Lincoln is spotted there. Now, he's spotted there. And that's the room that his body laid in state in. 
which is also the room that was in his dream that he had right before he died. Right. Showing him laying in state. He specifically said, I was walking through the East Room, and there's a guard, and he asked, who is dead? It's the president. That room. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. We're going to do a whole podcast just on Lincoln's ghost. Oh, absolutely. He's been mm-hmm. seen all over the house. Yeah. Now, the Rose Room. The Rose Room is often frequented by... Jackson. President Andrew Jackson has been seen and heard there uh, on several occasions. And when he's heard, he's often engaged in hearty laughter or, of course, swearing violently. And according to uh, White House lore, there is a cold spot on the canopy bed in the room where Jackson slept. In his bedchamber. In his bedchamber, <laughs> yes. Now, the most notable reports of this were Mary Todd Lincoln, who claimed to have, of course, heard Jackson swearing, and then that that seamstress, Lillian Parks, who um, felt his presence over her as she recounted her memories uh, of the White House where she was working. So, um, for a quick note, Andrew Jackson's bed is actually the bed that is used in the Rose bedroom. So same bed? The same bed. It is his old canopy bed. And so often, you know, there are things that are kind of attachments or whatever, but there's a cold spot supposedly on that bed. It's his bed. It's his bed. Yeah. In his bed chamber. (laughs) Get out. Yeah. Now, one of Lyndon B. Johnson's aides heard the exact same thing that Mrs. Lincoln did in the Rose Bedroom in 1964. And uh, another White House seamstress um, felt Jackson lean over her as she was hemming the bedspread on his bed. But, of course, not to be outdone, Lincoln himself had to go there as well. So he's been seen there as well. And that's where Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands actually saw him. Uh, She actually heard a knock on the door one night and saw him standing right there in the hallway. And she reportedly fainted. So So I wonder if, um, you know, follow me here for a second. I wonder if somebody, like one of his aides or something, was staying there. And, like, he... You know, and somebody else, Truman, also reported the knock on the door. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was that same room. Okay. But I wonder if during that time there was somebody staying there and he walked down the hallway and knocked on the door to discuss something. That could, could have been. Could you imagine? Yeah. And I'd so- really like to know if it's that same room that Truman was in. That same room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a. I'm not going to, like, dedicate my life to find out. (laughs) uh, Just be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, of course, there's the Lincoln bedroom, and that one is obviously haunted by the ever-famous Lincoln. Um, He's often seen there beside the fireplace. He's been seen... um, in that particular room by Teddy Roosevelt, Herbert Hoover, Dwight Eisenhower, Jackie Kennedy, Lady Bird Johnson, the um, Susan Ford, uh, Maureen Reagan. Um, Maureen and her husband actually both saw Lincoln standing by the fireplace there. Um, and apparently 
just like when Winston Churchill saw him. Um, he was kind of hanging out there by the fireplace. Uh, of course, there's also reports that lights in the bedroom will turn on and off by themselves. Um, and cold spots will occur in the room. Uh, the Lincoln bedroom was not, as we had kind of mentioned before, not a bedroom when Lincoln yeah, was it president. Wasn't his bedroom, right. It was his cabinet room. Right. And so this room in particular is where he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Correct me if I'm wrong, he was in the White House before they built the West Wing, I believe. So mm-hmm. his office was, you yeah. know, cabinet yeah. room and that kind of thing. So. But, but this is literally yes, where he signed the Emancipation signed Proclamation. So that is the Lincoln Most Proclamation. of the time when people see him, they, they're seeing him kind of standing there contemplating his decision to actually sign it yeah Yeah. so that was and i think like i said i think he knew by signing that he just signed this death warrant and he knew that Mm -hmm. so yeah all right so um so those are the different rooms right those are the different rooms that are specifically having ghosts um but of course obviously there are other ghosts in the white house as well but um I don't know how much. We're way over time, so you can go over this stuff if you want to. <laughs> I don't really care. Um, sorry, folks, if we fill up your phone downloading this circus that we have tonight. But um, well, the fires. I'm I'm sitting here listening to you. Yeah, I mean, I, this is quite interesting. To me. We know, and of I've course, heard this before. But go ahead. That's true. You have. Yeah. Uh, we know that there is the fires that were in the house, and one of the most traumatic incidents in history was the destruction of the building in 1814 uh, by the British troops that apparently did come and attack and set fire to the White House. And that, as we mentioned, on the portico and in the bedroom where they were supposedly starting, you know, oh, there's a soldier starting to start a fire. Um, those are seen. However, there's also um, a major fire that happened in the West Wing during the Hoover administration on Christmas Eve in 1929. Officially, it was listed as a clogged fireplace flu that started the blaze, but other people say it was actually this fire, British fire starter again. So, that time, though, if it was true... He was kind of successful. Yeah. So he was successful from the grave. I don't know. You know, so. Now, um, Ronald Reagan, as president, also encountered some ghost stories. And he kind of talked to um, someone at one of the state dinners and kind of talked about some of the things that he he knew had happened in the house and things like that. Um, well, he used to tell, like I was saying about those dinners they had in uh, the East Wing and stuff, one of the things that he would do during those dinners would be tell stories. He was mm-hmm. a great storyteller, mm-hmm. and he would talk about some of his experiences. Yeah. Um, apparently, at this state dinner, he told everyone at his table that um, Rex, the... the uh, 
spaniel who'd recently replaced lucky as the first dog had um started barking frantically in the lincoln bedroom and then literally backed out of the room and refused to go back in and he refused to set foot over the threshold after that um, and then another evening while they were watching tv the reagans were in their room and their dog Rex stood up on his hind legs, pointed his nose at the ceiling, and began barking at something overhead that was invisible to the Reagans. And um, then the dog just sort of walked around the room over and over again, barking in a circle at the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. That's weird behavior of an animal. It is. It is. And so um, they don't know what actually caused that, but he did ask his staff to look into it and see if there was something, you know. Um, out of the ordinary for for why that was happening but here again we're in the president's you know living area first family's living area another dog that is having some issues um i don't know yeah yeah and of course well, we know that the reagans were very uh, nancy reagan very into um, i think she did seances too I believe she may have, but I know for sure she was very into psychics. Whether she did actual seances, I don't recall, but I know she often had psychics that she would ask to look into things. Well, the the funny thing here about his story was, uh, and these are quotes from him, I started to think about it, the president continued, and I began to wonder if the dog was responding to an electric signal too high-pitched for human ears perhaps being towards the White House by a foreign embassy. I asked my staff to look into it. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, my dog. dog. <laughs> What's Russia up to now? <laughs> yeah. <coughs> but. Oh, well. Um, we getting so, more? So, um, the president also kind of mentioned that his daughter Maureen had, had you know, stayed in the Lincoln bedroom with her husband and her husband had woken up and saw a transparent figure standing in the bedroom looking out the window and of course that supposedly would have been Lincoln again Um, and uh, she actually woke up the very next morning and saw the same figure standing in the window looking out she could even see the trees through him Hmm. and then it just disappeared so so, um, I think we pretty much covered all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Very cool. A lot of very cool stories. And a lot of our presidents not only are seen, but also see the other presidents. And I find that very cool. It's like they, they, they are part of this real close-knit group, and they, you know... Yeah. Want to help each other out or. Well, like I said, a lot of times, too, those reports about Abraham Lincoln are stirred up real heavy during the times of distress. Mm-hmm. Franklin Delano Roosevelt during the war and, you know, stuff like that. He mm-hmm. would see these visions and it was kind of like the same thing he was going through, you know. Um, I wonder if uh, President Obama has been pacing, you know, about the wars and stuff that's going on, the war on terrorism and things like that. And if he's, and, if, if, and it's the Bushes, too. Exactly. You know, yeah. 
Oh, exactly. With nine nine eleven, right? And of yeah. course, we know we 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 don't know, but we've heard that the demon cat came out at nine eleven time. But yeah. but we don't really hear about the bushes uh, talking about anything paranormal happening in the house. We don't really hear that. But we know that President Obama has seen his dog playing with some invisible yeah, thing. Somebody so, thrown a visible dog. Yeah, or ball at their dog. <laughs> yes, that's a so, little messed up. Yeah, but has he seen Lincoln? No. Has Lincoln been coming and helping him out? I don't know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very. I love all these stories. About and I'm telling you, time. someday we're going to know somebody who goes in the White House, and we're going to get to go there and sleep in the Lincoln bedroom, and we're going to find out for ourselves. Yeah, we'll spend the night and do an EVP. Okay. And, and of course, you know, maybe we'll still get to go and look at the front steps on July 7th. <laughs> All right. Well, even if I have to do it from across the street, we're way over time here. (laughs) Um, So, if you want to get a hold of us uh, and you want to go to our blog site, which I haven't gave it to you yet, uh, it is untoldhistoryrevealed.blogspot.com, and you can drop us a line if you scroll down on the page and to the right, there's a little form that you can fill out, and it'll send us an email message. Um, Give us a comment. If you heard these before, or you've heard other ones, um, you think we're full of wind, <laughs> uh, whatever. But uh, very cool stories. And how long we got to wait again before we do more paranormal? I don't want to get into paranormal, all paranormal. So I, I want to get in more historical. And but we'll but this, throw some paranormal. But see, when stuff we do when we this do the historical. paranormal things, we'll yeah. include the we'll include the history. Yeah, I like listening to the history and why the things are a lot of the way they might in be history. i love that story about winston churchill coming out naked <laughs> and there's abraham lincoln standing right there guess you yeah. got me an advantage mr president yep all right so that's gonna wrap it up uh we hope you enjoyed this one <laughs> yeah i think we're gonna go eat dinner and take go a, to sleep for the night <laughs> yeah. um so uh with that have a good evening And thanks for listening. You've been listening to Untold History Revealed.